Good morning, church. Good morning. So glad to be back with you. If you didn't know, my wife and I went to the beach last week, and it was wonderful. It was too short, right, as vacations always are, but we are so glad to be back with you. Jamie's not in the room right this minute, but uh, we enjoyed listening to his message. We heard, listened to it on Monday, and uh, Ephesians 5, he talked about how we're to walk as children of light and expose deeds of darkness, and I love the image that he used He said, we're not supposed to be spotlights, people who are calling people out and and being condemning, kind of exposing people, but instead we're called to be lighthouses, right? People who guide people to truth as children of light. I love that for two reasons. One, because it's just good preaching. And second, when we were at the beach, we climbed a lighthouse. And so I had that image in my head as I listened to his message. But church, we're gonna be in Ephesians 5 again today, looking at verses 18 through 20. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. I wanna tell you what we're gonna do this morning. Things are gonna be a little bit different. When we were mapping out what we were gonna talk about as we went through the book of Ephesians, we kind of circled this time and this week on our calendars. And we didn't want to cover a whole lot, but we wanted to do something that I think would be very beneficial for our churches. And we want to ask the question is, how do I worship the right way? We're going to see in just a couple of verses, Paul talk about how we live out the new man, how the gospel changes everything and it changes the way we worship. And and I want us to ask the question, is Connection Church Athens a church that worships in a way that honors God? When we come into this time, of worship? Are we worshiping the right way? And is our worship overflowing in how we live during the week? So we're not going to cover a whole lot of scripture, just a couple of verses here today and ask this question. Are we people who worship right? And as Jamie said already, we sang two songs at the beginning and we're going to sing two at the end because let's get some reps in, right? We're going to study God's word and talk about some things, but I want us to practice what we talk about in this time. And launching out this week, we're going to see in the end of chapter five and chapter six that Paul's going to tell us that the gospel changes four areas of our lives specifically. This week is worship. Next week is marriage. The next week will be parenting. And then fourth will be the workplace. Today on worship, the people of God worship. How would we define worship? I think for many of us, that word, we have a narrow scope of of what it means to worship. Narrow scope. We think of worship as only the time before the sermon where we stand and we sing. And then maybe some of us have a little bit of a broader definition of worship that we understand that everything we do in this service is worship. From the prayer, from the um, offering, from the time in God's word, that there are several different elements to prayer. But here's a definition that just really helps me of what is worship. And that's this, worship is setting your mind's attention and heart's affection on God. Worship is anything you do or while you're doing it, you can set your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God. Just help me out with that just a little bit. I'm focusing on God. My mind's attention is on him. I'm thinking rightly about who God is and I'm loving him. I'm engaging my emotions with everything I do. We understand how the act of singing could be this form of worship, that I'm focusing on gospel truth in these lyrics and that I'm engaging my emotions and I'm responding with worship to God. Church, this time in God's word, when I open my Bible, can be an act of worship because we're setting our, our minds on who God is and what he's done for us and then we're responding 
in adoration and worshiping. Maybe you, during the week, you just grab somebody who's having a hard time in their life, they're having a hard week, and you pray with them and you lead them to the truth of God's word. You're worshiping then if you're leading someone to Christ. This definition kind of helps us recognize the broad scope of worship, but it's also very challenging as well because this definition tells us that I could come to church and gather and yet fail to worship. I could come be with you guys on Sunday morning. We can come into church, maybe even set our minds attention on God, but not our affections and, and come together gathering and yet failing to worship. Did we miss the point when we just sang? Was I singing just because everybody else was and that was with a thing to do? Or was I setting my mind's attention and heart's affection on God? And church, I pray that we would recognize this morning that not only in this time, but through the week, we need to have a lifestyle of setting our mind's attention and heart's affection on God. And church, to be a worshiper is what you were created to do. We talk about this in heart and soul a lot. And we, we, we talk that you really were created to do two things. You were created to enjoy God's grace and extend his glory. In fact, we're going to put those two things up on the screen. That you were created to enjoy God's grace and to extend his glory. This is what I was called to do, right? To enjoy God what he's done for me, that he's redeemed me, that he's empowered me and saved me. Enjoy the grace that he's given to you. But then take that grace and share it with other people. Kind of in the, the theme of worship this morning, as we dive into our passage, I just want to suggest to you that if you were created to do these two things, you were created to enjoy God's grace, which means you were created to be a worshiper. To enjoy God's grace is to be a worshiper, to be one who worships him. This, that, you may be tracking with me there, but listen to this next one. You were also created to extend God's glory, which means you were created to be a worship leader. You were created to be a worshiper, to enjoy him, but you were also created to be a worship leader. Sometimes we think of a worship leader as just a person up on stage who can play an instrument. Call of a worship leader is to help other people focus their mind's attention and heart's affection on God. That's the call of a worship leader. Someone up here, they're not up here because they're better at music necessarily. They're here playing a role to say, hey, let's fix our eyes together on God. And that's not just the call of the band. It's the call of all of us to extend the glory of God and to be a worship leader. God has saved you to lead others to worship him. This is the heart of the Great Commission, to be a disciple who makes disciples, to be a worshiper who makes worshipers. So let's read our passage together, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for this time. God, in that you have called us out of darkness to walk in the light. When I pray this morning, we would see that to walk in the light is to worship you. God, to be filled with the Spirit and to overflow in the spirit so that others might see your glory. Father, I pray that we would walk out of here ready to worship you with every moment and every heartbeat. 
God, I pray would you guide us into your truth. Would you protect us from error, from misunderstanding. God, give me the words to speak. I pray you be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is calling you to be a worship leader. First point that we have this morning comes from verse 18, and that is worship leaders surrender control. You may say, Liam, you're calling me to be a worship leader. I don't even know the first step of to doing that, y'all. It's very simple. Paul says in, in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit, and as we're filled by the Spirit, surrendering to him, our life is going to overflow with worship so that others may, might see. It's not a really hard equation. It's not a hard formula to be filled with the Spirit and overflowing with the Spirit so that others might see the glory of God. Verse 18 says, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what's really sad? People use this verse to say, this is why you should never get drunk. As if Ephesians 5, 18 is about alcohol. Y'all, this verse mentions alcohol, but the main point of this passage is not, don't get drunk. Paul presents two different paths for us. The main point, y'all, is be filled with the Spirit. But it does lead us to ask in verse 18, why does Paul make this connection between alcohol and this filling of the Spirit? Well, I was kind of thinking about it this way. Have you guys ever gone to a birthday party, maybe when you were a little kid, and you had that race or that, uh, that obstacle course where one of the events was to take the baseball bat and crouch down and spin. Anybody didn't, done this before? Parents are evil to make kids do this. Because what's the whole point of doing that with a baseball bat? To make you so dizzy that you can't run straight, right? And I, I did this several times. I can't even imagine doing this now. Like, I don't, I don't want to do it three times. But you had to do it like 10 times, and then you throw the bat, and you're supposed to run straight but you don't run straight, you run like a buggy at Walmart, right? And you just pull left and then you go head first into the ground. And the parents are sitting over there laughing, making jokes, saying things like this. What was in those Capri Suns? Because the dizziness mimics drunkenness. Paul's just giving us a very simple truth, y'all. Alcohol can make us lose control. And it can make us lose control and put us down a path, he says in verse 18, that would lead to dissipation. Depending on your version, it might say debauchery. This word means overindulgence and giving into a sinful appetite. He says if we pursue alcohol and we lose control and we get drunk, and we're not in control of our lives, something's going to end up not going well. And this lifestyle is so far removed from God's plan for you and God's design for your life. He has something better. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this message is not about the prohibition of alcohol or the prohibition of drunkenness, but I want you to hear what the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has to say about alcoholism in our country. Listen to this. Alcohol-related deaths outnumber deaths from drug use four to one. Of the nation's 113 million drinkers, 10 million are underage, and 33 million binge drink or have more than five drinks at one time. The median age at which children begin drinking is just over 13 years old. 
Alcohol use is a factor in the three leading causes of death from ages 15 to 24 years old. It's a contributing factor in accidents, homicides, and suicides. Church, our country has a problem. Alcohol can make us lose control. But this report from the CDC is not being read at halftime of the Georgia-Oregon game. No, Snoop Dogg sitting on the beach saying, live the fine life, baby. Paul says, be careful with this stuff because it can lead down a road that takes you so far from what Christ redeemed you from. God calls us to live a better way. Don't be drunk with wine, main point of the passage, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled. Listen to me. He's not saying don't give your life to something or don't give control to something. He is absolutely saying give your life away because we're called to give our lives and control of our lives to something, but not something that's a bad shepherd like a substance. We're called to give control of our lives to God. You know, control is actually an illusion. We like to think we control things in our lives, but we don't. I love my daughter so much, I can't help her take another heartbeat. How can I control her health? Actually, I don't control anything in my life. We give control away. And he says, give it to the Spirit. And notice the different ends. In verse 18, he says, don't get drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says, we follow things like alcohol. We're going to end up failing our God and running to things that that will never satisfy and sinning against him. But then he calls us, I want you to be filled with the Spirit so that you would overflow with a life of worship. This is the end result of someone being filled with the Spirit. And so worship leaders, those of us who are called to lead others to the glory of God, we are filled with the Spirit because we're surrendering to the Spirit. There is a price for the Spirit's filling, and that is surrender, surrendering control. So he just asked the question, is, is filling of the Holy Spirit different than the sealing of the Holy Spirit? Right? We've talked about a couple of different ideas with the Holy Spirit so far in Ephesians 1. is in Ephesians 1, he said we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that's salvation, right? That, that he comes into my life and that I'm sealed, I'm saved, I'm in the kingdom of God. And then at the end of chapter 4, we talked about something else with the Holy Spirit. And that was grieving the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember this? And this is if we continue to live a life of sin after being sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, be filled. And I would argue, y'all, that we have a choice after salvation, after being sealed. Are we going to grieve the Spirit or are we going to be filled with the Spirit? And we do this by the way we live and what we worship. Have you given control to the Spirit in your life? Church, can I just tell you he's worthy? He's worthy. And if you're like me, you've spent seasons of your life giving control to things that weren't worthy. And that leads to shame. That leads to broken relationships. That leads to guilt. And that leads to an inability to worship the God who created you. But he is worthy to take control. And when he does, he will transform your life so that we may walk in the new man. 
I've tried to control a lot of things in my life. Spent a lot of sleepless nights, stressed out because I'm trying to control and hold everything together. Let me tell you how worthy Christ is. Colossians 1, for by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him, all things hold together. He's worthy to control your life. He's holding us together right now. He is the one who's controlling gravity right now, gluing you to the planet. He can, he's worthy to hold your life together. It's amazing. I can't control anything, but I was called to give him control. Worship leaders surrender control to be filled by the Spirit. And so if we're surrendering control to give him our lives and say, God, I don't want to control. I want you to be glorified through my life. I want there to be a whole lot more Holy Spirit living in my life than Liam's personality living in my life, that you would take over, God, that you would be pleased with my life. Then we're going to overflow with worship. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. A second point, y'all, is just that worship leaders sing. Worship leaders sing. Now, there's somebody in, out here today who is not tracking and not liking the whole I'm called to be a worship leader thing. He's like, Liam, I can't sing. Like, it's, I really can't. Like, it's bad. Like, it'll turn people away from Jesus, right? Like, I, like I can't glorify God with how I sing. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable, music. I, I just don't like all this stuff. You were me 10 years ago. Can I share that with you? So many of y'all knew me when I came on board at Connection as the worship pastor. And so you've just seen music in me have, have been going very closely. I grew up in a family where everybody sang and everybody played an instrument except me. And I was the kid, this is true, until about 13 or 14 years old when I started getting into music. I was the kid where I went to camp or at church and they're like, come on, stand, let's sing. And I was like, mm-mm, that was me. That was me. And I was that kid who really wanted to play guitar because it's kind of cool to play guitar. And I picked it up several times, but, but it never really stuck. And what changed for me in my life, and I know this isn't everybody's story, this is just mine. It's my testimony, but... I started reading my Bible at the age of 13 and I started to really want to worship God. And so then I picked up the guitar. And for me, spiritual growth and music have been very close in my life. And I know that may not be everybody's story, but church, I believe that as we're filled with the spirit and we're growing in him, we're gonna to wanna to worship. And I don't know how that's gonna play out. Maybe it's in singing or leading up on stage or maybe it's just you know getting over yourself getting over your pride. That's what I had to do because I knew this wasn't all about my lack of talent or ability. This was about my stiff neck and stubborn heart. And I had to say, I don't care about what other people think. I'm just going to worship God. And so church, I think we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I struggling with a lack of talent or lack of ability or lack of experience or, or is there something deeper? Is there a hard heart here?
Because as we are filled with the Spirit, worship is supposed to flow out. Did you notice the verbs that he says for our life of worship? Verse 19, speaking. It's not just singing. Do you see that? Speaking to one another. And then in verse 19, okay, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And then verse 20, giving thanks. It's not just singing. It's speaking to one another, talking about the goodness of God. It's giving thanks together. Matthew Henry, who was a theologian and commentator, wrote this about John Bunyan, the man who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He said, if I were to cut John Bunyan, he would bleed scripture. That's a pretty good compliment. If I were to cut this guy, he would bleed scripture because he was just filled. I wonder if God, if I, somebody was cut me, would like a Phil Wickham song just come out, you know? Like, Living home, you know, like, because it's just in me. It's just who I am. This is what we've got to do. And so for many of us, the reason we're not there is because we haven't surrendered control to the Spirit. At this point, I just, I just want to give you like four things, four tips. If you're saying, man, I'm, I'm not there, okay? I, I do have a hard heart and worship is awkward for me and I want to get there, but I'm not there. How, how do I be filled with the Spirit? And how do I, what do I do practically when, I, when we come in together? Because church, this time in Sunday morning is a very big deal. This is a very shaping time. For us to come together as a body and say, okay, maybe you're not worshiping as you want to worship, but let's get in this together. Let's study God's word together. Let's sing together so that we might learn how to live as a body and as a community. And so what do we need to be doing in this time from 1103 to 1215 on Sunday mornings? What do we need to be doing? Can I just give you four things really practically that you could put into practice this week for next week? First one is worship during the week. Church, we got to worship during the week. Worship is not to be an event in your life. It's to be a rhythm of your life. And so that when you come in on Sunday morning, it's not like, oh, I haven't worshiped all week. I haven't put my mind's attention on God at all. And then suddenly we do it when we come together. That's how fake is that? But to come in together and say, hey, when, when I gather with Connection Church Athens, then I'm just kind of doing what I've been doing all week because I've been worshiping all week. How do we do that? Y'all, we have so many resources available to us today, right? David's watching sheep and all he has is a little heart, right? And he's, he's like making his own music. He didn't have Spotify. We have Spotify. Any song. We got YouTube. You don't have to pay for Spotify. Get on and, and listen to some worship music. Listen to some music that honors and glorifies God. Y'all, we have podcasts. You can go listen to like any pastor you want to listen to. You can listen to us during the week on Spotify or YouTube. There's so many resources available. I have the Bible app on my iPad, on my phone, on my computer, right? Everything, all the different versions and, and Bible project videos. We have so many things and yet we are so distant from God because we're not taking advantage of them. What if we put into some, some practices during the week to worship during the week so that when we came together, it was just a gathering of people doing what we were already doing all week. Then this time's gonna be rocking. Because we're, we're not gonna have to knock the ice off of people because I've been filled with the Spirit all week, singing all week, coming together, same old, same old, worshiping God together. Second one, y'all, is enter God's house prayerfully. When we come in together, we need to be worshiping during the week, but when we come together, we need to enter God's house prayerfully. Ephesians 5, or excuse me, Ecclesiastes 5, 1. Y'all remember, we went through Ecclesiastes at the beginning of the year. One of my favorite things that we learned, right, Dustin shared with us that the temple stairs going up to the temple were very uneven. Do y'all remember this? And it said in Ephesians, or Ecclesiastes 5, 1 said, guard your steps when you enter the house of God. And, and the architecture 
helped people slow down and remember why they gathered. Enter God's house prayerfully. Watch your step when you come in. And I wonder, we have distractions as we gather as a church, namely each other. (laughs) Is that fair? Hey, how you doing? We're shaking hands. We're thinking about a thousand different things. Some of you are serving and we're just busy serving and doing the checklist of what we've got to do this morning to have church. But we got to slow down and remember why we're, why we're here. Because if I come and I gather and I fail to put my mind's attention and heart's affection on God, I haven't worshiped. So I encourage you, you know, maybe it's when the countdown's at 15 seconds and you just say, hey, I wish I could talk to you, but I'm just going to sit in my seat for a second and I'm going to remember while I'm here. Watch your step because there's a weight to worship. Is that fair? That's why this is communicating the Old Testament. We see an intense reverence from people. They say, I'm worshiping the God who created me, who made planets, who sustains the universe. I'm going to slow down because I'm about to encounter the glory of God. Church, this is just kind of my little soapbox, but I believe that we live in a culture right now that says good worship is about energy. It's about energy. If you're jumping, if you're raising hands, you're dancing a little bit, then you're doing a good work. Church, I want us to be a people that would value reverence over energy. And if you have energy, that's great. But to say, I will recognize the weight of the glory of God when I worship. And I will respond with reverence first and then energy. Sorry, I gotta go. Y'all can tell I like talking about this stuff. Third, really quickly, make your time of worship about God and you minus you. Make it about you and God minus you. Have you ever heard somebody say that before? We worship for an audience of one, so don't be looking at other people. You just make it about you and God. Close. Make it about you and God minus you. Church, we worship the God who created the world. And when we come together, what is this time really about? It's about leaving a sacrifice of worship to him. And this time is about him. And so I encourage you, make it about him. And y'all, we try to do that with the way we select songs. Because there are some songs out there today that are worship songs that they're really kind of almost more about us and mention God a little bit than all about God and mention us a little bit. And we want to sing songs, just just hear our hearts, church, where, where the emotional climax of the song is about his power, his glory, his resurrection, and his sacrifice, not the blessings he's given me. Because those are phenomenal, but we don't want that to take center stage. We want to sing about his glory. Make it about you and God minus you. Last one, very quickly. I know I got to go. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Have you guys ever heard anybody say this before? Martin Luther King Jr. is kind of coined with saying this. He, he wrote about the church and said this of the church when, in the letter from Birmingham jail. He said, the church used to be a thermometer setting the cultural temperature, but now, or being a thermostat setting the cultural temperature, but now we're just a thermometer reflecting the cultural temperature. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20 tells us to be filled with the spirit and to worship as an overflow of the spirit in our life. And so what that means is the one thing I need for worship is the spirit in my life. It's the only thing I need to worship because I worship from the overflow of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
And so when we say things like, I need a good band, I need that person who sings in a way that I love their voice. When we start making a list, I need, I need a stage, I need some speakers, and we start adding these things, as these are the things I need to worship, then we've become thermometers and we're not thermostats. Have you ever walked into a worship service before and you're sitting there like, okay, if these people are, are, are really into it, then I'll kind of be into it, but if they're not and they're the frozen chosen, then I'll just stay that way too. If the band's hot, I'll be hot. But if the band's cold, then I'll be cold. Church, that's thermometer worship just reflecting other people. And I pray we would be the kind of church that would worship from the spirit in our lives, which means that I would worship the same way when the band's on point and it's awesome that I would in a McDonald's parking lot in the pouring down rain when a song comes on that leads me to God. Church, I pray that we would worship as God has intended us to worship. He calls us to worship, fixing our eyes on him from the spirit in our lives. It's a simple formula. Do you see? It's, it's really simple. It's about you and God minus you. Let him take control of your life. Let him in. And let him dictate your worship. I'm called to do what God has called me to do. No more, no less. And so I let him teach me how to worship. Finally, y'all, the application of this. We talked about our time together. But this worship has got to lead outside of these walls. It's got to leave as we go throughout the week. That my attention on God and my affection on God would lead to allegiance to God. And that allegiance would lead to action during the week. Several months ago, we were going through the book of Acts, and we talked about Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Do y'all remember this? We talked about the power of out-of-place worship. Paul and Silas were headed to the synagogue. They were arrested and put in prison and were told at midnight they were praising God and singing and the jailers listened to them. Church, when we worship out of place, when we worship when no one else is gonna worship, we have a very powerful testimony among other people. And I pray that this would be our life. Worshiping God filled with the Spirit, which means in every situation, we would worship to bring glory to him. And be thermostats. Because a lot of times we're thermometers just when we're around with a group of guys. (laughs) We just, they start cracking some jokes. We start cracking some jokes. We just are chameleons culturally. But in every situation, worshiping him so that others might see, this is what it means to be a worship leader, to leave out of these walls, to go outside of our church on Sunday morning and to lead other people to the glory of God. I wish I could tell you that I could just give you a thousand different stories of time I've seen people lead worship outside of a church setting and lead people to the glory of God. Sadly, these instances are very, very rare. And y'all, I'm sorry, this is my third point, that worship leaders live out their worship. Let me give you that. Worship leaders live it out. That we lead people to worship out of place, even outside of places like a worship service. I wish I could tell you that I had a thousand different examples, but I don't. But I want to tell you of one that uh, impacted my life in a very big way. When I was about nine or 10 years old, remember, this is before I kind of started falling in love with music, and I was this guy, right? I was nine or 10 years old. My family went to Cherry Point, North Carolina, and we watched an air show at the Marine base there. The Blue Angels were there. 
right? The Marines were doing military exercises, and we were out there with a large crowd of people on the runway in the middle of the summer. One of the hottest experiences I've ever had in my life, like 110 degrees, so hot. We watched for hours, and again, everybody was just trying to find shade and water, and all. it's like six flags, you know, in August, you know how miserable that can be, just trying to find shade, just so hot. The air show was over, and all this enormous crowd of people went to one place where there were buses that were shuttling people back to their cars. And there were not enough buses to get these people to the cars. And people started to get a little bit frantic because they were so tired and so hot. Grown men started yelling at each other, cussing each other out. We're on a Marine base, <laughs> and I didn't feel very safe. I mean, it's like, hey, something bad's about to happen. You could just feel the spirit among this crowd of people waiting for buses was really rough. And then my mom looked at my dad and said, let's sing. Now, again, my family's pretty musical. They all sing at this point, except for me. And I heard her say that, and I'm just like, my family is so weird. <laughs> Why do I have to be in this family? They start singing a hymn. My brother and sister join in four-part harmony. And I'm like, you know, sliding away. By God's grace, I sang with them. I didn't want to, but I did. That place shut up. And the spirit changed. And we didn't go up to those people who were being inappropriate and say, you need to act right. It's not what we did. Call them out, shame them. That's the, way we, that's the world we live in now, right? Somebody acts out, you just shame them, you just cancel them. No, we worshiped and we showed them our God and that changed everything. Church, you don't lead people to worship by arguing. You don't lead people to worship by shaming them or saying angry things. You lead people to worship by worshiping, by playing a completely different game than the world plays. It's funny, the one guy that I had picked out of the crowd who was being the worst and the most inappropriate, when we got done, he said, sing another. That's a hard thing to do when you're in that situation, to lead people to the glory of God. And here's why it's so hard, because the story's not over. It finally became our turn, and we got onto a bus, and the air conditioning on the bus felt phenomenal. It's like, ah. We were just about to pull away, and a Marine comes onto our bus. They say this. They say, there's a woman who was on the runway who suffered a very severe case of heat stroke. Would anybody give up your seat so this woman can get to a hospital? I was sitting on a bench with my parents, and my mom looks at my dad, and she doesn't say, let's do it. She says, Kevin, we have to. Those are her words. We have to. Why did we have to? give up our seat? Why did we have to serve? Why did we have to be last? Because we sang. Do you see that? 
because we were worship leaders, because we were pointing people to the character of God, we had to follow it up by worshiping the right way. And I wonder if that's the heart why so many of us don't worship God with our lives because we know what it's gonna cost us or we're scared of what it's gonna cost us. I have to give up my cross or take up my cross daily and follow after God? If I sing and I worship him and people know that I'm someone who follows this Jesus, I'm gonna have to serve them. Church, being a worship leader in a way that honors God means that we serve and we sacrifice. We take off our robes sometimes and we wash feet. The call to be a worshiper and the call to be a worship leader comes with a price. Jesus paid it first. Ephesians 5.1 he walked in love, and he gave his life as a fragrant aroma for us. And when I do this, when I see the work of Christ, respond in worship, and I lead others to worship, I'll be called to sacrifice as well. But y'all, what I do for him won't even be a drop in the bucket compared to what he did for us. Worship leaders sing to a God who first served us and we lead others to worship because he brought us in and draw, drew, he drew us to himself through his work on the cross. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come up and we're going to sing for just a couple more minutes. We're going to sing two songs. These two songs I chose because they're probably the most familiar songs that we sing and we're going to get some reps in and we're going to spend a little bit of time and I want to challenge you to fix your mind's attention and your heart's affection on our God. That this time would be about you and God minus you. That you would enter with a prayerful attitude, that you would seek reverence, and that you would worship our God in spirit and truth. Spirit, would you fill me? Lord, so that my worship might just be an overflow of your indwelling presence. When I say I want Connection Church Athens to have good worship, I don't mean that I want us to have such a good band that people just come in to hear us. I mean, I want us to worship as a body in a way that would honor our God. And we're gonna have an opportunity to do that right now. Call to be a worship leader comes with a great cost. Church, I ask you, I invite you, will you come and worship with us this morning?